Hello, and welcome to the Block Explorer. I'm Colin Brightfield. Hey, folks, I'm Cash Upton. The Block Explorer is here to educate and inspire you about the world of crypto and NFTs. We'll do deep dives into critical concepts for understanding what's happening and discuss current events shaping the space. We're making this podcast for the curious, the free thinkers, and the change makers that propel us forward. As we embark on our adventures, remember that none of this is financial advice and crypto can be risky. In this episode, we interviewed Mayank Jain, who we met at Permissionless Conference, and we talked about his project using brainwave technology to create NFTs while listening to music. What an awesome conversation, Cash. Really incredible to see art and science come together and then, you know, visualize uh, brain patterns with NFTs through music. Super cool. Love loved the conversation with Mayank. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got a, a very interesting background with technology and neuroscience and he's some of his stuff using augmented reality and uh, using new brainwave technology to help people who have um, communication disabilities. And, and it's cool to see him take the, all these kind of ideas that he's been working with and that have been percolating in, in the space and apply them to music and art and find a way to support artists using this new technology. Yeah, it was really interesting too, just to hear his finger, uh, you know, he has his finger on the pulse, uh, kind of where tech is heading and uh, the space itself. So that was really interesting. Yeah, let's dive in. In this episode, we interview Mayank Jain, who's developed brain-computer interfaces, artificial intelligence, and augmented reality. We met Mayank at the Permissionless Conference, where we learned that Mayank has created NFTs from brainwave patterns. It's great to have you on the Block Explorer today. Thank you for being here. Yeah, great to be here. Let's start with some background. What's your story and how did you get into this type of work? Yeah, so my background is a lot with developing with deep technologies. So like the ones you listed, uh, a lot of neurotechnology, artificial intelligence stuff. Uh, so it all started when I started going to hackathons and they had some brain computer interfaces there that they're letting people play around with. Uh, so the first one, I, uh, the first hackathon where I got access to that, uh, I built this VR game where the music would go faster or slower based on how calm you were. Uh, and then our team ended up winning, uh, and the prize was a bunch of brain computer interfaces. Uh, so I had the hardware at home that I could then play around with, uh, and started just making a bunch of apps from there, from like brain controlled video games to apps that curate uh, focus music for you while you work. Um, and then in my final year of high school, I ended up working for this company in Switzerland that was making uh, AirPods that measure your brainwaves. Um, and one of the things that I developed for them was this live installation where we would have a cherry blossom bloom based on how calm you were. Uh, and so that's what got me more into the, the art and brainwave intersection. Uh, and then I was always interested in music and brainwaves as well. So then I found a way to combine all three by trying to see how music can influence people's brainwaves, because I believe it has a huge influence, uh, and then seeing how can you visualize that as a piece of art uh, and almost create like a neural fingerprint for people. Wow, that's incredible. So you've done a lot of work with uh, neuroscience and technology, it sounds like. So what about it um, in your previous experience led you to really focus on this particular aspect? Um, I thought it would be an interesting way to get 
like regular people uh, more aware of neuroscience and like what neurotechnology exists. Because I think most people still don't know that there's devices you can go buy, like Best Buy or like any sort of consumer electronic store that can measure your brainwave data. Uh, and I thought it'd be a great way to show a visualization that people can understand. Because when you look at raw data, most people have no idea what they're looking at. So it'd be a cool to see an artistic visualization of uh, what, an, what a person's feeling, what a person's thinking. Yeah, I, I didn't realize they were so readily available too, but... Um... What what was the draw to the NFT portion of the space, turning them into NFTs? Yeah, so I made this just as an artistic thing. Uh, obviously, there's no way to monetize that. And then I went to NFT NYC last year and saw people buying NFTs of random stuff, like literally just JPEGs of random animals. And I thought it would be way more interesting to sell these as NFTs because that's a way to monetize this art. And I was trying to think of, okay, why would people buy this? And I couldn't think of any very, very good reason. So that's when I had the aspect of trying to connect with famous music artists and then collect their brainwave data, listening to their own music. And then I figured, okay, that's what something something people would pay for because people pay for autographs that someone signs to Sharpie in like five seconds. Um, it would be way more cooler to get a neural autograph um, that also just shows what the artist is feeling while listening to their own song uh, and then gives some sort of memorabilia to fans. Yeah, we'll post some links in our show notes because they uh, really cool representations. And so that is with an artist listening to their own music. Yeah, yeah, that's the main focus of the project. Yeah, can you break that down for us exactly how 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 you do that and how that like in practice? How do you set that up and how does it work? Yeah, so it's a lot of cold outreaches. Obviously, I don't really have a big network of music artists, um, but like I started off with uh, someone I happened to meet at NFT NYC, who's a music manager. He introduced me to a bunch of music artists. So I was able to go to LA, um, go to all their houses, just record their brainwave data. Like the one drawback of this is that I have to go meet these artists in person because I have to physically collect their brainwave data. Um, so it's not as scalable. Uh, but it also means I get to make a, a more personal connection with the artists and also just meet them. Um, yeah, so you go to them, physically measure their brainwaves while they listen to their own music. You just put a headset on that's measuring their brainwaves, their headphones. Uh, and then just keep recording uh, for as many songs as they want. And then later I just go home and process data and convert it into uh, pieces of art. Yeah, and so the, the headset that they're putting on, um, it's an EEG-enabled uh, headset. Can you tell us more about the, the tech behind that and how that works? Yeah, yeah. So I use EEG. That's like the main thing I use, uh, which basically just measures the electrical field around your head. Uh, so it'll measure it as a voltage, and that can give you a good idea of what someone's thinking or feeling. Uh, and then I also use some other stuff like heart rate, um, and I use something called GSR, uh, which is basically how conductive your skin is. Uh, and that gives you an idea of how emotionally stimulated someone is. Because when you're more emotionally stimulated, your sweat glands produce slightly larger amounts of sweat, and that increases the conductivity of your skin because you have sweat in your, uh, sorry, you have salt in your sweat. Uh, and then you can measure that difference uh, to figure that out. Oh, that's fascinating. And then, so you're combining um, more than just brainwave data. You're using, um, I mean, I guess it's like, I almost think of like, when you said the skin connectivity, I almost think of like when you listen to really good music and you get like goosebumps or something. Is, is that related or is that different? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So goosebumps is a good way to describe it. So if you had goosebumps, you would like produce slightly larger amounts of sweat, which you wouldn't be able to notice. But if you have a sensor there uh, constantly monitoring how conductive your skin is, you'd be able to see that. Like if you slap someone on the back of the neck, you'd see a huge spike in that. That sensor's reading. And you uh, started doing some of these on your own while you were uh, giving presentations on the stage, right? So um, like capturing your own brainwaves, doing like a, a, 
moment in time, something that you were presenting? Yeah, yeah. So I thought it would be really cool uh, to do exactly that, what you said. So I gave presentations at East Denver and a conference in Croatia called Block Split. For both of those, uh, I wore my EEG headset on stage. Uh, also, the other sensors, I measure heart rate and GSR. Because uh, that would be really cool uh, to see what my emotional state was throughout the entire presentation. Because uh, I get really nervous when I speak. So obviously, my heart rate would be a lot higher. I thought it'd be interesting to see, you know, how calm I am throughout the entire presentation. And I figured it would be, yeah, exactly that, uh, like freezing that moment in time, seeing exactly what I was feeling at every moment. I thought that would be, that would create a really cool art piece. Uh, and also just a great way to get money for the project before uh, I released the, the, the pieces from these actual music artists. And, and these pieces are um, like a, a MP4, right? Like they um, develop throughout time, like they... They change throughout the course of the presentation. Uh, no, so it's, or is it a static piece? It's a static piece, but you can see how it changes throughout time. So it's like a three D piece. It's like a three D orb, and then different parts of the orb uh, correspond to different moments in time. Gotcha. And that okay. way, you're able to see the whole thing all at once. Uh, but they're still MP4s because it just like rotates around the three D model, so you can see all sides of it. Gotcha. What other applications have you been thinking about? Is there any projects on the timeline? You know, that I love the artists listening to their own music. Do you have any other, you know, thoughts percolating? Yeah, there's like there's some other interesting stuff you can do. So if you have live artists performing uh, and you put headsets on them, you can do a lot more interesting stuff. Like if you go to a concert, sometimes they'll have projections in the background of like random cool visualizations. Uh, it'd be interesting if those visualizations were controlled by that artist's brainwaves in that moment in time. Or if you even give the audience um, some EEG sensors. Uh, and then somehow, you know, all their, their brainwave data comes together to create some sort of artistic visualization. Um, I think that could be really cool. Yeah, we were talking before you came on about the audience side of things and a live minting as a as a fan. So we will definitely follow up with you offline to brainstorm that a little bit more because we're really excited for what you're doing yeah yeah that could be cool so um i guess you i mean were you into nfts before you started making this project or is this are you relatively new to the nfts as you as you you know came to nfts as you came to this project so i've known about nfts for a while and i've kind of like i've looked at it from the side i haven't really participated in it uh like i've been looking at them since i saw CryptoPunks like one e so i've been looking at it for a while <laughs> but no, I haven't really done anything in the space till about like six until like the last end of TNYC. I think it was like six or seven months ago. And uh, what has been your initial experience as far as, um, you know, working and creating the space versus being more of a spectator? It's been a lot of fun so far. Like I know the market's not doing that great right now, but in retrospect, I don't really have any regrets. Um, I've met a lot of really interesting people going to all these conferences and events, and there's been a lot of cool companies that like help sponsor me to go to those events. Um, so overall, I think I'm, I'm net positive on crypto <laughs> in terms of positive experiences uh, and total value that I've gotten from it. Yeah, we met you on a yacht at Permissionless. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I wasn't even there for Permissionless. I was there for uh, the hackathon that was down in Miami. Uh, but then a lot of us heard that you know Permissionless is going up, uh, happening in West Palm, so we all headed up there. Love it. And for people that um, haven't been to a uh, crypto conference or a crypto event like that, um, what can you say is, uh, you know, the the highlights of those events and what, what keeps you going back? Because you've been to a few. 
honestly, they're just a lot of fun. So at least 50% of these events will be just like parties uh, where they give you free food and drinks, which is always fun. Um, also, just meet a lot of people. Um, most of the people I meet tend to already be secondary connections, which I always find amazing. Like I'll meet people and we have so many mutuals already. Uh, and every time I go to them, I just feel this network effect where it's like, okay, it seems like everyone knows everyone. Uh, and I just like stumbled into this huge network of people. And it's interesting to see what everyone's doing in the space. Yeah, we agree. We we love going to these conferences and these events because it's it's like uh, it's almost like a reunion or like a homecoming when you see all your friends that you haven't seen. Well, you've only seen them online, you know, for a while, and then you get to see them in real life. And um, as much as you know, we live in uh, the metaverse and things like that. It's no replacement for IRL experiences and getting to actually you know hang out with them in person. So um, when it comes to innovations NFT space, um, where do you see you know the NFT space kind of progressing? I think it's going to progress a bit away from the art side. I think there's a huge focus on art right now, uh, just because before they were really scarce, like CryptoPunks was the only collection. So, you know, no one really cares what the art looks like. The whole point is that it's a scarce commodity um, and it's a cool technology. But I think now, you know, NFTs have been around for a while, so it's not that new anymore. And the, like the, the barrier to entry is a lot lower as well. You don't need to code anything to uh, create NFTs or sell NFTs especially with like OpenSea and uh, a lot of new tools out there. Um, so obviously there's way more supply right now. So I think people are going to be more focused on how you can use these digital assets. And I think you have to provide really good reasoning for using NFTs versus like Web2 assets. So there needs to be some really important reason as to why you need to show who owns a certain digital asset. Uh, and the security part has to be important because the security isn't important for ownership of, uh, of a digital asset. There's no point in using crypto and going through all these expensive transactions. You can just use Web2. It, it should be fine. Like there's tons of video games like Fortnite. No one get like Fortnite doesn't get hacked. No one hacks skins and gets free skins in Fortnite. They don't have to use crypto. Um, so I think it's more for people who can't necessarily afford to have a huge cybersecurity team or anti-hack team and then really care about the security and ownership of digital assets. Yeah, that's a great point. So I, I think you kind of hit on it, but I, I want to flesh it out more. Like, how would you define NFTs for someone that's new to NFTs and, and doesn't really understand what they are? Yeah, NFTs is basically, I would say it's like an anti-piracy tool, basically, <laughs> uh, in terms of ownership. Um, so right now, obviously, with the NFTs that are art pieces, you can just screenshot them. So it's not really anti-piracy. But I think when it comes to access to like software or something like that, that's where it becomes more uh, anti-piracy. So if you had like Photoshop that was on Web3, I don't know how it would be on Web3, but if it was on Web3 and you could only access it if you had some sort of NFT or digital asset, uh, that would be a good way to gatekeep uh, certain tools and ensure that there's no way for someone to distribute them without selling that that access key or that access to NFT. Um, and yeah, that's the best description. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think that, you know, a lot of uh, people get confused and that they, you know, they 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 kind of lump a lot of things into this like NFT basket. But you, you hit on a, a good point that, you know, what you need to describe, you know, and justify, like, why does it need to be an NFT? You know, when you can use a lot of these other uh, tooling that's out there, that's already, you know, Web2 tooling or other kinds of tooling to accomplish very similar results. So how do you differentiate between okay this 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 project it needs to be an nft because of x y or z where this project you know you definitely you don't, maybe don't need to make it an nft and uh, how would you 
differentiate that a little bit more. Yeah, I think like another good reason to make something in NFT is if you want to use it in between different projects. Um, so there's that whole typical example people use again with Fortnite uh, or you know some game like League of Legends where it's like okay I buy these skins. What happens if one day these people who created this game decide to shut down or they delight, decide to ban my account? I just lost everything that I paid money for. Uh, versus now it's like okay if I have all these assets for one game or one. Uh, piece of software and I don't no one likes this piece of software anymore we can just take all of that all those assets we bought and then someone else can build another piece of software that accepts it and maybe does it better and then everyone can just move over uh, so for example it's like a lot of people hate on LinkedIn or if people hate Twitter uh, if your data was somehow tokenized um, some sort of JSON on the blockchain uh, you could theoretically just take all that data over and then move it to a new social media um, because that's one of the things people don't don't like when they're switching to social media is you lose all that information. Uh, you lose all your like history of things you posted. You have to like start from scratch. Uh, but in theory, you can just like, it's like exporting your bookmarks in a browser. Like I do this all the time. If I switch browsers, it's like, okay, I have all my search history, all my bookmarks. I don't want to lose all that. Uh, but they have a feature where you can just export that and then import that into a new browser. Uh, I think NFTs basically allow you to do that with any sort of tool or software. Yeah, we love the portability and composability and the, the decentralized social media um, aspect that you're talking about is is very interesting. And uh, yeah, we were at per, Permissionless and they were launching um, Lens Protocol was going live and we went to a talk on decentralized social media. I think that's a really important use case that the, the, the user owned data and then the portability to bring it with you. Um, we're really interested in music NFTs and obviously, you know, you're interested in that. So how do you see brainwave NFTs interacting with the broader uh, movement with music and NFTs and how that whole process process is going? Yeah, I think it's, it is technically music NFT, but I think it's not really part of that movement that people are uh, more interested in because they're more interested in how can we get uh, the actual music files on the blockchain and get artists more payments for streams. Uh, this one doesn't really have the music attached to it because I didn't want to get the rights to that music. Uh, it's a lot more work. Even now, just working with music artists and getting the right to create that art is also going to be uh, quite a bit of work. But I think it's still aligned with them in the, in the sense that I'm trying to get more money for music artists. So even if these these pieces sell, regardless of the music, uh, they'll continue to get money from royalties, um, assuming that there's a good amount of volume on the project. Um, so I think it's aligned on that sense, but I don't think it's really music NFT in terms of, you know, getting more money for streams. Well, yeah, we love, we love the supporting artists with getting, giving them more avenues for revenue. So that's awesome. Um, I'm sure you, you're familiar, but we like to lean in on the block explorer to like regenerative finance and refi. So do you, do you imagine, or, you know, see any, um, potential for unlocking regenerative financial aspects with some of this brainwave NFT stuff? Um, not really at the moment. Uh, I think it's better to focus on the more basic stuff. Uh, there's not really, really a lot of volume yet to more to get into more complicated stuff like regenerative finance. Right. Maybe I, I guess I'm just kind of spitballing like, you know, like uh, you could you could do a EKG of like Bill Gates giving some like climate talk, right? And then you know, sell that to fund a climate project. That's yeah. just where my yeah. head goes. <laughs> yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah, if people want to do like one-offs uh, for charity. Yeah, there you um, go. Like another idea I was thinking of doing, I haven't done this yet, but was having, uh, partnering with something like Sick Kids um, and then visit a bunch of kids who have certain mental illnesses 
Uh, some of them have illnesses where they're more stimulated by audio um, and then measuring their brainwave data, listening to their favorite song and then doing like a whole collection of uh, basically sick kids and then having the money from those sales go towards um, paying for their medical bills. And that could be like a, a nice charity project. So like, you know, you buy one and two, you fund a kid's medical bills. That would be really cool. Definitely let us know when you launch that. We'll support it. Yeah, for sure. Um, you recently tweeted, uh, meeting someone whose values align with yours hits different, even more so when they're interested in similar things. And uh, I really like that that um, notion and that idea. Can you explain a little bit more what you mean by that? Yeah, sometimes I just have calls with random people, and it seems like we're interested in uh, like a lot of the same things. Are um, Yeah, like the tweet says, you know, values align. Uh, and that's when like the conversation ends up going for hours and hours. And I don't know, I just find that satisfying all the time. Uh, especially when it's someone I've never met before and you just have like a four hour conversation. Uh, I just find that really satisfying. Yeah, that's awesome. And we, we definitely feel that that happened a lot in uh, the Web3, crypto, NFT and refi space. And that's kind of what prompted us to keep building the, the block explorer. That is, we just keep meeting people that align on so many ways. And uh, there's so many synergies that keep cropping up. So um, we feel we feel that sentiment as well. I want to echo that. What do you see um, as far as some you know building your project? What are some of the challenges that you've come up against? Um, you mentioned you know the the physical distance for scaling when you have to go to these musicians' places. But what other challenges have you come across? Yeah, uh, the other one is just finding these music artists because I get a lot of DMs from bands. So obviously cold outreach kind of gets lost in that <laughs> the whole list of dms from random people uh, so it's a bit harder to reach out to them the other thing is like from my experience it seems like people in the music industry just move a lot slower uh, maybe it's for stuff that's not music related i'm sure their primary focus is actually creating music um, but just in general like the communication is a lot slower uh, getting stuff done is a lot slower um, <laughs> it could just be it could just happen to be the people i'm dealing with um, but because I just like to move relatively fast. Um, yeah, so that's why this has become more of a side project now. It's not taking up 100% of my time because I realize a lot of this is just uh, a lot of logistical stuff, figuring out like how to execute the project uh, and come back and forth communication. What's the uh, other majority of your time looking like? Any other projects that taking up a lot of your time? Yeah, yeah. So I took a semester off so that I have complete control over my time. So. Uh, I would say like 25% to 30% goes into this project, the Brainwave project. Uh, right now, the rest is going into some exploring other NFT stuff. Uh, so right now, I'm exploring NFT gaming, uh, trying to create, again, low barrier to entry video games. So right now, every single crypto game I've seen uh, requires you spend hundreds of dollars. I guess not hundreds anymore because crypto dropped, <laughs> but basically a lot of ETH or whatever the currency is uh, just to try out the game which I think is pretty stupid because I can go on my PS5 and buy a brand new video game that's like high tier, high quality for like 60 bucks. Uh, and this NFT costs like 300 bucks for a game that's not even meant to be played for fun. Uh, I don't think anyone actually plays any crypto game that's launched for fun right now. Uh, and I think that's kind of, that doesn't make any sense to me because it's not that hard to make a game that's They're games, at least too, right? They're yeah. supposed to be yeah. fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's the primary focus. And I think it's because people are too focused on making 100% of the game on chain. And I don't think that makes sense. Like if I want to play Call of Duty, I'm not going to sign a transaction for every bullet I fire. Uh, that's just not going to work. Um, 
So I'm trying to see if I can make games where I'm doing very simple games like Atari games because I'm not a game developer and I can't launch something that quick if I'm focusing on making some huge gaming project. Uh, so just making like basic Atari games that use NFTs as game assets, focusing on all the utility of gaming NFTs that people talk about but no one's doing, like having NFTs that are interchangeable between games. As far as I know, there's not a single game that accepts another game's NFTs or another project's NFTs. Other than a couple that are letting you use like board apes as profile pictures, but that's not really that big. Um, but like having actual game assets in between games, um, also having like just a free NFT you can take just to play the game. Uh, so I'm trying to make them gases as well, so you can just get a MetaMask uh, and then claim the free NFT and play the game. You don't even need to, you know, get airdropped a little bit of money for gas to claim it. A very very low barrier to entry, and then also focusing on just making them actually fun. We love that. That's a really great, solid points of like making the space a little bit more authentic and getting back to the roots. I like that. Yeah, yeah so, I find it weird that no one's actually building the utility that everyone's like praising the whole thing, especially the one about NFTs between games. It's kind of sad that no one does that. Yeah, that's a really good point because every, that, that point does get uh, a lot of... Uh, time in the spotlight that you have composability between games and NFTs and items that you can port around. But yeah, the actual application is, is still kind of lagging there. Um, so it sounds like you're really create creative and uh, you got a lot going on. So, you know, what, what really like gets you excited? Like what makes you inspired to work on, on, on these projects and, and how do, how do you stay inspired? I always like connecting it to stuff that I care about. So I love music, which is why a lot of my projects have involved music. Like I told you uh, a little bit ago that I made some project that focus, uh, curates focus music for you. That's because that's something I wanted. I wanted I wanted to have playlists to help me focus because I always listen to music while I work. Um, I've always, and that, of course, made me interested in how music affects your brain. Uh, and I've always liked art as a kid. I'm not that great an artist. That's why I always do computer-generated art. I've always been like a Photoshop person, not a, <laughs> not a hand-drawing person. Uh, so this was like my way of doing something that I thought was cool. Uh, same thing with games. I love video games. Even with Neurotech, I did brain controlled video games because I like video games. Uh, and I made some of those video games that I brain controlled. That video games is how I started learning programming. So it's I tend to connect a lot of stuff, especially when I'm learning to video games. Uh, yeah, so, and it seemed like there was opportunity in terms of creating NFT video games. So that would be perfect just to ex- at least explore, even if it doesn't work out. No, it's really cool. And definitely the um, the music side of it, we really vibe with too. So um, we like to, we like to see where this is going. Kind of taking a step back, um, you know, you mentioned it earlier, the market conditions right now, we're all, you know, uh, feeling this. Um, what would you say to someone who's kind of newer to the space coming into blockchain or Web3? I mean, the whole market's down. I think people are just amplifying it in crypto just because most people don't understand it. Because theoretically, there's nothing that's changed. Like there was obviously a lot of, there was a bubble for cryptos getting really crazy evaluations. Um, so I think this was a healthy return, maybe even too much of a drop. Um, but yeah, I mean, mo- anyone who invested in crypto should have known going in. That's why like, I'm personally not too uncomfortable with it because it was kind of expected. There's been huge rises and huge drops. Um, but I would say... Yeah, if anything, just see it as a lower barrier to entry. Even if it ETH stabilizes at that price, it's not the worst thing. Because the whole point of crypto was to, at least for Bitcoin, was to create an asset that's not 
uh, affected by downturns in markets. So it is kind of sad to see that it has gone down, uh, but maybe it'll reach like a healthy um, stabilization point. And then actually, yeah, it'll perform what it was supposed to. Yeah, that's a good take. It's still got volatility, but it, it, I, I, yeah. I agree with you. I think at a certain point, we'll see we'll see it not be so volatile to the other outside market forces. Yeah, and then and then given the um, the sentiment and stuff, what keeps you excited about crypto and Web three, and and what kind of trends do you see uh, moving forwards over the next year or two? I'm just excited by how much challenge going in. So there's obviously a lot of money going in, but there's also a lot of a lot of challenge going into it. So I figure like. Even if everything being built right now is useless, which I don't think it is, I think there's at least 5% of stuff that's useful for the future. Um, I think it'll be eventually someone smart will find something very, very useful with this technology, even if it doesn't exist right now. I think all the useful stuff being built right now is companies building infrastructure to help other people build stuff. So like Alchemy, that's I don't see that going away because that's just the core infrastructure that people are using to. So if you don't know what Alchemy is, it's like AWS for crypto. So it helps you. Uh, put smart contracts on the blockchain uh, without having to have your actual node connected to the blockchain. So that's something that a lot of people use. I just I don't see that going away very easily. Especially, it can't go away overnight. If they went away, it would be because someone built something better and slowly took over. Uh, stuff like that is probably what's useful right now and won't go away. And then I can see people building more useful stuff on top of that in the future. Awesome. Yeah, we definitely agree with the the tooling aspects and uh, the infrastructure, you know, selling shovels and pickaxes rather than just trying to pan for gold. (laughs) Cool. Well, um, we just have a few more questions for you today. Um, Is there anything else that you're working on or that you want to share with your listeners that we haven't uh, touched on today so far? Uh, Not really. Just those two things, the NFT gaming and the brainwave NFTs. Love it. So um, where would you direct our listeners to go and learn a little bit more about what you're doing and how, how can they best support you? Well, yeah, you guys linked uh, my Twitter profiles uh, in your tweet. I think that would be the best place. Uh, constantly tweeting on my personal account about everything I'm doing. And then the other account for MindSpec, which is the name of the project. Uh, that one's constantly tweeting about anything that's going on with the Brainwave project. Uh, so those two accounts would be the best way. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, keep in touch with you too. We love the music fan brainwave side of things. So really cool what you're doing with the visualization of art and thought patterns. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for being on the show today. Mike, we really enjoyed talking to you and excited to have you on again. Yeah, thanks, Mike. It's been awesome to learn about what you're building. And it's so good to see you again after uh, hanging out with you at Permissionless. And we can't wait to uh, see what you come up with next. Yeah, glad we did this. We're going to wrap it up here for today. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave us a rating and a review. We'd like to give a big thank you to our friend Matthew Patrick Donner, who's responsible for the Block Explorer production, including our music, mixing, and editing. Thank you for exploring the world of blockchain with us. Crypto is changing the world. We're here to ensure that you're ready. Please subscribe to our podcast and do share this with all your friends and family. We look forward to sharing our next episode with you. Cheers. Cheers.